into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Epic Tales from the Sewers, Episode 2. I'm joined today by Andy, who's going to help us go through Issues 3 and 4. Say hi, Andy. How's it going, dudes? So uh, you may recognize Andy from our Mikey moment and uh, the pizza recipe. So you'll hear him a little bit later on the episode as well. So we're going to start by diving into Issue 2 of the IDW 2011 series. And here we go. We open on Raphael in a doorway in a boxing stanch looking at Casey and the man holding him down on the ground. Put the kid down now, the man says. I don't know who the hell you are, but I don't want you to come into my house knocking down doors and giving orders. Casey tells Raph there's no help. He doesn't need any help, and the old man backhands him for his interference. Shut your mouth, you stupid mutt. Ralph has had, Raph has had enough, and he hip-checks him into the wall, breaking the drywall and knocking over a desk. He plants a body punch on the man and tells him, you need a little taste of your own stinking medicine. The man comes back with, Tastes good. My turn. And unleashes a combination of punches, followed by an upward knee to Raph's chin. I grew up on these streets, punk. Fighting's part of living. Let me show you. As he plans to, plans to drop an elbow on Raph, dead center in his back, we hear a thud. Recoiling in pain, the man is surprised. Raph has a shell to thank for, then protecting him from the blow. Tag, I'm it. With a blow to the midsection and one to the side of the jaw and an uppercut, Raph takes care of the man as Casey looks on with surprise. The man is tossed out the front door and into the front yard. We see a bit of Raph's personality here. Ain't done yet? Good, because I can go all night. The man had enough and fumbles at his keys and drives off with a squeal of tires. Back in the house, Casey cleans himself up. He tells Raph to let, let it go, and it happens all the time. Course, this is the first time that a stranger busted in out of nowhere to kick his butt while he was doing it, though. Uh, specifically one that looks like you. Raph apologizes about the door. Casey tells him it's not the first time a door got busted in this house. He asks Casey if he's okay, and he says, You tell me. Uh, where'd you come from? Flashback to 15 months earlier. Late night, April sitting at a computer at Stock Gen Labs. Splinter tries to get her attention by holding up a CD-ROM in his mouth. April is startled by, by the rat again. You nearly gave me a heart attack. Again. She mentions she has a huge report due in the morning and the stupid slow internet at the dorms isn't helping the cause. She notices what he is trying to give her and Splinter perches back on top of the turtle's cage. Where the heck did you get this? April asked. Behind the glass entry door, we hear a hissing cutting sound as the silhouettes cut a hole through the door. Two ninjas, one holding a sword, slowly and gently and quietly entering the building. They are unnoticed by all except Splinter. April takes a closer look at the disc and detects a faint mo bit of movement from the corner of her eye. She just lets it go, doesn't think much of it. She removes the disc, and the reflection behind her, she sees the assassins poised to strike. She quickly stands and says, Um, are you guys night security? They respond with, Eliminate her! I will retrieve the specimens! She is skeptical and thinks it's a joke. Did Chip put you up to this? And then, soon, runs for her life as a ninja with a sword, cleaves that disc in two. Splinter slinks away, keeping a vigilant watch on the happenings. The other ninja bags a container of vials of mutagen, and April grabs a flask and tells the sword-carrying ninja, Stay back! Splinter chooses this time to make his move and scurries towards the fire alarm. He pulls it on with all his weight. The alarm distracts the ninja just enough for April to smash the flask on the side of the sword ninja's head. 
The other grabs the fourth and final turtle and puts them in a bag as well. April escapes, and two security guards rush to, to her with guns drawn. The other ninja says, Vanish! And they are holding, and he's holding his face from the glass April had shattered on it. The ninjas have disappeared, and only April and Splinter had seen them. We see Splinter dart off in, of sight, and he reemerges behind the two ninjas who are climbing up the roof, uh, trying to make their stealthy escape. One of them climbs up behind while they attempt to uh, jump to the next rooftop. Then Splinter attacks the one with the turtles. He claws at the face and eye of the ninja, causing him to drop the bag. The ninja pulls the rat from his face and hurls it towards the, the ground, landing next to the bag, now soaked with a glowing green ooze. Splinter's hurt. It seems bad, but we can see the three of the turtles are moving around the ooze, but the fourth in the mouth of an old alley cat. Back to present day. Three turtles and the rat master in their subterranean lair, all in red masks. We can tell them by their ac activities. Leonardo practices his stance with his twin katana blades. Donatello tinkers with an invention, while Michelangelo reclines on the couch while eating pizza. Splinter kneels before a small table and pours himself a cup of tea. Splinter reassures the restless teens about the worthiness of their search for their lost brother Raphael. Donatello mentions, I don't know, the odds of against locating a missing individual in a metropolis of this size of New York are just about as astronomical as if you ask me. Splinter retorts, Be that as it may, Donatello. There are far greater powers at work in this world than mere statistics and analysis. They are often too easily ignored and underestimated. Michelangelo tells Sensei that he feels the time would be far better spent fighting old Hob rather than searching for Raphael. Splinter convinces them that it's best to continue their search. They discuss the victory for over Hob in the junkyard that night. And though the battle has begun, it is far from the only victory, because the only victory that matters is finding their brother Raphael. Back at Casey's house, we hear a conversation with, with Casey and Raph, and it sheds a bit of light on what's happening with Raph's situation. So you're homeless and you can't remember your name, huh? That must suck. Not much better here, says Casey. Yeah, it's tough. I guess it's always been that way for me as long as I can remember. Uh, I'm kind of used to it, says Raph. Casey formally introduced himself. A fist bump later, a friendship is born. Getting serious again, Raph asks Casey about the man that hit him. Casey tells him that his father, it's his father, and he's always been this way since his mother died. Raph apologizes uh, if he made it worse, but Casey says the old man's not even going to remember it tomorrow. Raph is so surprised that Casey was not afraid of how he looks, and he jokes that next to his old man, Raph is just a teddy bear. They decide to go out and get something to eat together, They hit and maybe have some fun along the way. Casey comes out of his room wearing his iconic hockey mask and holding two baseball bats. This ends issue two. Uh, this issue was written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Walsh with art by Dan Duncan. Now on to number three, Andy. Chapter three, the scene unfolds. We enter a garbage-strewn back alley. We hear flop. A man sails through the air, dropping a purse he has stolen. We see a surprised look on his face with two shadows and hear Casey's words. You get up, chump, and I promise I'll knock you right back on your ass. And if I smack you again, there ain't going to be no more getting up. Casey and Raph stand maniacally over the criminal. Casey holds his bat in hand. The man has no issues giving up the purse. Casey, give up the purse to Casey, and he runs away swiftly. Raph asks, now, now what do they do? Casey tells him, we'll give it back, he says. The best part of the job, dude. She's going to love us. 
The woman, taken aback by the frightened appearance, runs off screaming. Raph is completely convinced that Casey has a handle on the whole vigilante thing. They decide to drop the purse off at the local police station instead. They commerce about how hard Casey smacked that guy in the head. Raph asked Casey why he wouldn't fight back against his father earlier. Casey says, my mom died like a year and a half ago from cancer. She was really sick for a long time before she went. And that's when what pushed the old man over the edge. Dude couldn't handle it, so he drank himself stupid. Thing is, Mom still loved him a lot. Don't ask me why, but she did. And just before she died, she made me promise to take care of him and not fight him. Raph emphasizes, and Casey says, is worse, but not knowing his name. Then Raph asks, what's up with the hockey mask? Casey says, I was a big jock in high school. Even got a hockey, hockey, hockey scholarship to New York Tech. He had a mean slap shot, and... A mean right hook. He says he's not much for the books, so on an academic probation and the money, the money he gets barely covers food and rent. He ribs ribs Raph a bit about keeping the purse and says, "Looks good on you." They laugh it off, and we see the two men in the foreground talking to each other. Come on, we got to tell Hob about this. Back in the turtle lair, Donatello and Leonardo are sparring. After blocking his strikes, Donnie seems to get the better of Leo with a leg sweep. He gloats for a moment before Michelangelo pushes him off balance. Splinter warns Donnie about not paying close attention to his attacks. To celebrate victory prematurely is to invite early defeat. Donnie apologizes to Master Splinter and tells him, No apology is necessary. If we underestimate the importance of training, we underestimate the formability of our enemies. Mikey asks about their current enemy, Old Hob. Michelangelo is not to concern himself with that because he is sure Hob has a reason. Flashback to 15 months earlier, once again we see the cat with a turtle in its mouth step into a puddle of green glowing ooze. It yowls at the rat, covered in goo, as they circle each other intent on violence. The cat slashes at Splinter, grazing his lower leg, but Splinter regroups. Knowing the cat's intention is to make the little turtle his meal, and makes a daring move, he sinks his teeth deep into the feline's face the cat drops the turtle and begins to paw his own face to feel the damage where he once had an eye he then decides it's not worth the trouble and darts off in pain triumphant the rat places the fourth turtle into the bag with his brothers then proceeds to pull them to a nearby storm drain the sword bearing ninja from earlier looks in surprise to see the rat he brings his sword down and a slash clang on the curb the rat and the three turtles fall through the grate but they are too exhausted to search for the fourth. A short time later, we see the gangly hands covered in gray fur with long, sharp nails. Splinter now stands on his hind legs and speaks for the first time. I, I, I can speak my body. What has happened? We hear the reply. Hap, bend. Splinter looks my turtles. We see Donnie, Leo and Mike standing there and replies turtles in unison. Back to the present day. Leo gives the all clear as they pop their heads out from underneath of a manhole. The turtles emerge and head back to their search for their brother Raphael. Leo is still insistent on listening to Master Splinter, but Mikey and Donnie do not seem so committed to the futile search. Leo takes exemption to this and starts arguing with Donnie and argues about the validity of them using the ninja training to protect, especially since they fought Hob recently. Donnie says, Look, Mikey! I love and respect father just as much as you do. Just, it's just that I think this whole Raphael thing, maybe it's just a guilty obsession he has, you know? Like, 
he couldn't save all four of us, and he doesn't want to accept it. Maybe we will accept Raphael was probably killed. Leo responds with, don't even say that. Donnie comes back with, why? Because you don't want to hear it? Or because you don't have the guts to say it yourself? The brothers nearly come to blows. Mikey steps in to stop them. Donatello apologizes to Leo, but tells him what he says stands. He believes that they could change up the search tactics or even plan on finding Raph. He occasionally mentions change is the only constant. Back to Raph and Casey, who are buying two hot dogs from a street fender. They're just about to take the first bite when they're interrupted by two young men who push past them in a hurry. Dropping the hot dogs, Casey lowers his mask and Raph take off in pursuit. They catch up to the men who are attempting to scale a fence. Casey hits one with a bat and tosses the other one aside into the silhouette of a woman. Dinner's the least of your concerns. Then a growly voice says, Well, if it ain't the little lost turtle, remember me? The final frame pans out as Old Hob standing next to a young woman with short black hair holding a weapon and about seven other in behind them both. So uh, before we start chapter four, let me ask you, um, this issue, issue three, has a lot of stuff in it. Like, it really it explains a lot about the origin and all that. Reading through this for the first time, did it kind of shock you that Raph, like, it seems like they had never even met him? Yeah, they never even met him, but they took they took the care to name him. Yeah. Well, I guess, like, uh, as we were doing the, uh, the first uh, episode there, so April had named all the turtles, of course, and Splinter is the one who's retaining all of this memory. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it's, sorry, it's, it's been like two weeks since I've read it one time, I, I forgot they switched up the origin and, and April would actually name them. And another thing that jumps out at me is that uh, Michelangelo is definitely a different shade of green. It looks like Leo is slightly darker than Donnie, but, um, and it's hard to tell until I guess you get to the, the next issue, we'll see where Raph is. But the turtles seem to have, like, their own distinctive coloring, as we've seen in some of the the newer animations. Yeah, they've all got a very similar body type, so they're all, you know, I'm assuming the same turtles, and I'm assuming they're of the same brood or hatching. Uh, But what gets me is, and this is also my favorite panel, when you see the three turtles standing there and Mikey's hanging on that wire. um, Oh, yeah. That's the first chance you get looking, but they're, they're already, you know, not full grown, but they're already the teenage mutant ninja turtles. And a lot of times when you hear the backstory, especially in the cartoon, it was like four baby turtles. And it's yeah, like with yeah. the mutagen like aged them as well. And it's like, hmm, it's like I, I wonder if that was just for, you know, hey, we don't have time in a comic book to go through fourteen years of these turtles growing up, or if these turtles in the jar were a little more mature well you know those are answers we don't have i think that we're going to see a little bit more as we go ahead i i know because i've i've gone ahead like um in the reading just to see what has happened and but i i think it's just like if you look at it now you're going to see a lot happen in 15 months and they're really spending a lot of time on the origin story right now and just on the involvement of hob that's why i wanted to bring everybody up to speed on who hob was and all that Here's another thing on on the, the the panel that I'm looking at. If you look, Leo has like a six pack compared to Mikey and Donnie only have four turtle abs on their thing there. But what really catches me is without their masks and their belt, they they look naked and it just looks wrong. Like it's not inappropriate. But it's <laughs> like they definitely like. It's amazing that the belt and the mask make them look clothed. I think that you and I are just very used to seeing them with masks on. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. They they do look weird, weird with that. So 
So your your favorite panel you're saying is the first time that they show up as uh, kind of um, like the mutated turtles and all that. Yeah, when you get your first look at the teenage mutant turtles. Nice, nice. Now my my favorite panel will definitely be showing up in the next one that we cover. So and it's like it's totally cliche, but you know. But uh, I, I got to say, I really like what they're doing here. The um, the authors took a lot of care with this because they realized it wasn't the regular sort of origin that everybody's used to. And they're really driving it home that this is not the same origin. And they're going through, okay, Splinter is a rat. The turtles are turtles. There's no Hamato Yoshi, the person that finds turtles and all that. Like, they're going through the whole thing. There's no Shredder yet. There's nothing like that. So it's it's a completely foreign concept, and, and I'm digging it so far. Chapter 4. The scene unfolds. We begin with a close-up of Old Hob. What's wrong, Turtles? Obviously in shock, Raphael not sure what to think, and Casey knows they are in a world of trouble. Casey and Raph, if he knows the cat, Raphael has struggled strange flashbacks to some memories before being taken and saved by Splinter. Eventually mutating into his present form, Raph responds, No? Hobbs says, No? Well, I'm offended. I'll tell you. You got nerve to forget me after all we shared together. You and that lousy family of yours. Me losing my eye. Sorry, that ain't just gonna cut it. You're gonna remember me even if my boy's gotta beat the memory into you or out of you. I ain't picky. Casey and Raph steal themselves and prepare for the oncoming assault. Hob cries, rip them to shreds. The two stand to defend themselves. Flashback to 15 months earlier at Stock Gin Labs. Exterior of the building as Baxter Stockman and Chet Allen discuss the break the break-in by the ninjas, while some men in hazmat suits clean up the spilled ooze behind them. Baxter is upset and looks for assessment of what was taken from the lab. He tells them, Splinter, the entire psychotropic serum were lost, as well as four turtles and some vials of mutagen. What's worst is the existing spilled ooze is most likely tainted beyond repair by the exposure to oxygen. Baxter doesn't sound happy about having to tell General Krang about this. Their conversation goes on to talk about the ninjas that look for information and if they have stolen the psychotropic serum. Krang would financially ruin Stockgen. Chet suggests that they try to locate Splinter and insist instead of starting over. Baxter is skeptical based on the sheer size of the area, and when all of a sudden... The shadow from the alley, I hear. I can help you with that. I just want one thing. The filthy rat's got to be alive when I bring him to you. The one-eyed cat mutant reveals himself to the two. Inside, April is giving a statement to the two police officers. She tells them she believes that these were ninja. The cop had a hard time believing April. They ask her what happened with the sword-carrying ninja and how she was able to escape. She said he was distracted by the fire alarm. She hit him with a beaker. On second thought, though, who pulled the fire alarm, she said. It must have been Splinter, the lab rat. You can see the cop has a very skeptical look on his face. April, too. Yeah, he, is I don't know if he's buying it. <laughs> April's face and She goes, God, it even sounds crazy to me. I get the feeling that April wasn't supposed to be there doing her report anyway. So I, I think that's going to be something that comes in, in, in she's going to have an interesting interaction, I'm sure, with Chet and Baxter, because she hasn't even met Baxter as far as we know. Yeah. Did she? I thought she was like super happy. To, no, I'm thinking maybe the movie. She was like, I get to work with Baxter Stockman. 
Yeah, see that that's that was in that uh, the second yeah the second movie with Michael Bay and all that. So you know, which is an interesting take because they had her as as um, I, I guess a combination of the two, where she pretends to be a lab person but is also a reporter. So you know, an undercover reporter. All mm-hmm. right. Under the sewers, the newly mutated Splinter and three remaining turtles hurry away from Stockman Laboratories. The turtles seem to have very little memory of what's happened. Just repeat whatever Splinter says. He asks them to trust him, and they tell them he is their father and sensei. Splinter then tells each of them their names. You are Leonardo. You are Michelangelo. And you shall be Donatello. He tells them they must find his brother Raphael and a new home as well. Back to present day. Raph holds the punk in a headlock and backfists another while Casey hits him with his bat. Who are these punks? Raphael is not sure. He and Casey hit one of one of the men with a rising knee strike to his chin. Raph has a vague memory of a cat and a score to settle. Hub watches on as the as his gang softens up the turtles. Two men tackle Raph and one slams his shell with a crowbar. It doesn't seem to work as planned for the punk, only angering Raph in the process. It doesn't seem to work as planned for the punk, only angering Raph in the process. Trying to warn Raph that Hob is behind him, Casey gets clocked by a brick to the face, knocking him unconscious. Distracted by his friend going down, Hob hits Raph on the head with the handle of his pistol. Hob knocks him and orders his crew to hold him down so he can take care of business. Hob stands over him with the gun, posed to shoot Raph, and tells him, Go to hell. Already there, Hob replies back. He tells him he got lucky before. It ain't gonna happen again. He lowers the pistol to shoot and in a flash drops the gun and holds his arm in pain and disbelief. There are three shurikens stuck in his forearm, followed by a panel with Mikey, Donnie, and Leo, who says, You're done, while holding a fourth shuriken in his hand. In the next page is a splash page of the turtles in action. Leo jump kicks a goon who drops his knife, and Leo... Yeah, this, this, by the way, is my favorite page. So, okay, yeah, he is okay. It's one fluid motion here. Is a the next page is a splash panel of the turtles in action. With one motion, Leo jump kicks a goon who drops the knife and draws his blades. Donnie attacks someone with a wrench and easily disarms him with a with a swipe of his bow staff. And Mikey takes out a man holding a bat with a taste of nunchaku to the face and yells, "Banzai!" Yeah, but this is this is a great page. So and as. as I was I was going to mention here too. This is the first time we see all four turtles on page at the same time, like in the entire book. And it's the fourth issue in. Yeah. Well, mutated anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point because they have been together in the terrarium or whatever you have there. But like as fully mutated things, here they are. And and now we can see uh, the the coloring on the turtles. It looks here like Raph is actually closer to Leo in coloring. And then you've got Donnie, who's a little bit paler, and then um, Mikey, who's a little bit more green to him. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to take in on this. I mean, like, what is see here? Raph's got one by, he's yoking up one by the color. He's got his foot in another guy. Leo is, like, propelling himself off of this dude. Yeah, I love that. Like, like you look at that kick. That's a powerful kick, you know, oh, and, yeah, and like. The, uh, the impact lines coming off of it. Oh, yeah, dude's off his feet. So it's like Raph is like, even though he's not been trained like these guys, he's holding his own. Mikey, in, in the, the thing that surprised me the most about this is that Mikey is very sort of like vicious and ready to attack and stuff like that. And he's going right after this dude with a chuck to the face. So this does not seem like the same Michelangelo, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. He seems uh, he seems a little grittier. 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm liking it. I, I think this is a really good, uh, really good iteration so far. Yeah, and competent at that. Hob tries to psych Raph out as he charges him by telling him he's nothing but a fail experiment and he's going back to stock gen. The two clash and grapple. They eye gouge and then Raph bites Hob's arm. Opposed to the action, we see Leo and Donnie and Mikey taking out the rest of the gang. Raph becomes mounted on top of Hob and yells, "Hob, no more! I want you dead! You hear me?" Just then, Leo reaches and grabs Raph's arm to stop him from pommeling Hobbs some more. No, Raphael. Not like this. He's beaten. Let him go, man. Donatello asks why. He's just going to do this again. But Leo persists, and Mikey says the cops are on their way, and we should bolt. Raph gets up and looks at the three. Bros? Yeah, Raph, Leo says. Then Donnie says, brothers. Casey comes... Two just in time to meet all four turtles at once. Shortly later, the turtles come home to their lair in the sewer. Raphael and Splinter are reunited, and when they embrace Splinter, says, Welcome home, my sons. Now the circle is complete, and we can truly begin. Issue 4 ends. Written by Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. This also brings us to the end of the first trade paperback, just in case you were reading along. Yeah, excellent. So so that takes care of the first one. So if you bought the uh, omnibus, like I think you did, like the hardcover, yeah. that's going to go through, I want to say, issue 12. If you bought the small one that says change is constant, it's going to go through here. Of course, if you're collecting like I am, issues one, two, three, four, like that, then you can find each issue singularly, and we've covered them independently. So. Oh, that's what... Okay, so I had this page here. I thought it was another... Maybe it is another issue. It's called A Lot to Learn, and it's, it's, it's only three panels. Okay, well, what is it? <laughs> um, looks like they're sparring. I'm trying to figure out who's being thrown. I, okay, Leo and Raph are sparring. Leo gets him in some kind of arm bar and wings him. Uh, he lands in front of Splinter, and he tells him again, Raphael. Uh, looks like now he's going to go square off against Donnie, who's going to leg sweep him. Mikey catches him. Uh, here we go. We're getting a hot-headed, hot-headed temper. He's yelling at Mikey to get off him. Uh, just trying to help you. You ain't got to be so mad. And then Mikey gets raffing an arm bar. Uh, offers him no hard feelings. He slaps his hand away. Looks like he's going out. He's putting on his torn up trench coat. Uh, says he needs to get some fresh air. Oh, Walk boy, out. does that sound familiar, huh? Yeah, walking around the city, walking around the city, flashback to when his brothers first met him. They're hugging and high-fiving. Casey meets up with Casey, knuckle bump. Casey, Casey, beating up some goons. Another high-five. Oh, Casey and Leo are talking. Yeah, Casey and Leo are talking. Casey and Raph are talking, 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 talking. Now he walks off alone. He passed by a loading dock with a red foot spray-painted on half on the door, half on the building, and he's lifting up a manhole cover. It's going back home. Looks like he's getting a lecture from Splinter. The brothers are, you know, having some end time, and it says the end. Then it goes into issue five. Oh, okay. So I don't know. Maybe that was a one-shot or something? I don't know where that would... It could be. We'll have, we'll have to look up what that is, but that's a, a nice little bonus in there because yeah. um, I see that as the beginning of uh, um, issue five here. But then issue five goes into a little bit different stuff here. So when, when we cover that, we'll probably see some of this. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. There I go. It's, oh, okay. It was might have been a teaser or something. I think There's so. Yeah. It. Now it gives you. Okay. It's got more than just because I see the sparring, and that's even a different. That's a different sparring too. Okay. So that's totally different. I'll just. So uh, when we get off in, here, in I'll this, snap um, pictures. Yeah, and and one thing I just wanted to ask is, is there anything here that um, kind of jumps out at you, like um, 
like the, the one thing that I'm saying is like, I've not seen a lot of personality from Mikey. I've seen a lot from Donnie, like very analytical. I've seen a lot from Leo and, you know, we of course seen Raph, but like the one thing that jumps out at me is like, I've not seen a lot of personality from Mikey yet. No, he just seems kind of like this brooding brother, and it's like they haven't portrayed him as the little brother yet either. Like, yeah, he's yet to come into his shell, so to speak, or come out ah, of his yeah. shell, I guess. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so is there um, – and, and you've not read ahead yet, right? No, no. I've only got okay. – the, the most I've read ahead was that little bit that I just looked through together with you. Oh, so good. So, so you're going to have kind of a fresh perspective on this. That's good. So um, I, I think that does it for uh, issues two through issues four. I want to thank everybody uh, and thank you, Andy. And uh, stay tuned for uh, some more, uh, more on this episode. It's pizza time. And now in a segment we like to call Pizza Time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. It's pizza time, dudes. Party Dude Andy here with your pizza of the week. Today, we're going to do my personal favorite, off the toppings. This simple recipe involves only pizza toppings, no baking necessary for the ninja on the go. And if you eat it quickly enough, it'll vanish, just like you. Try pepperonis, Italian sausage, black olives, Roma tomatoes, maybe even some little mozzarella balls. Catch you later, Party Dudes. All right, dudes, and now with your Mikey moment of the week, here is the bodacious Andy Doyle. Cowabunga! Whoa. Cowabunga, listeners. Party dude Andy here with your Mikey moments of the week. When your girlfriend's putting away the groceries, make sure to tell her you're not snooping. You're spelunking for treasures. Hey, hey guys, what's up? Matt here from the YouTube channel, The Duo Finds, and resident turtle toy expert on the smash hit podcast, Geek Life HQ. I had to get some shameless plugs in there, but with those out of the way, we're going to use this time and this segment to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Say that five times fast. Let's dig in. I like turtles. This week, we are going to be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sewer playset, or as it's sometimes referred to as the sewer lair. This thing came out in 1989 and the retail price back then was around $39 to $49. I couldn't pinpoint that price, but that is what I found. Uh, let's talk about the box artwork first. Looking at the front of this box artwork, it just makes you wanna buy this thing. You know, on the top of the box, there's a purple and blue cityscape and that's classic Ninja Turtles look and feel. And then you have the, the sewer playset just rendered out perfectly and it's, it's pretty spot on detailed. And I love how all the Ninja Turtles are there using all of the features. So it's kind of a sneak peek of what you're gonna get. So on the top left of the front of the box, there's some copy. It says Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sewer playset. It's a double-decker hangout and hideout for turtles. And then there's some uh, bullet points. High-voltage battle swing, real working elevator, and realistic sewer pipe passageways. On the back of the box is an actual photo of the sewer playset. I think this is awesome. This, this was just a prototype, though, for this photo. There are a few differences between the one you get in real life and this photo. The bet is white in the photo, but it's blue in real life. 
the spike sewer ball is purple in the photo, but it's yellow in real life. And then the green pipes are longer and then they're shorter in real life. I just think that's funny, man. It's uh, this prototype. <laughs> Gotta love advertising. And then there's an awesome block of copy I'm gonna read for you guys. It says, Get down in the muck and scum with the Turtles' radical new sewer playset. This gigantic double-decker hideout is the wacky home for all fresh-from-the-sewer heroes and a battleground for funky foot encounters. On the top level, experience the thrills of Michelangelo swinging from high-voltage power lines, giving the foot the boot. Get chills as the ever-sharp Raphael soil shredder scheme of making turtle shish kebabs with his dreaded studded sewer ball. Watch out below, though. The foot are fixing to end the battle for good and send the turtles packing to the pet store with a glob of retromutagen ooze dumped through an open manhole. But when things get ugly, the turtles always give their enemies the slip by taking their secret high-velocity elevator underground. And don't worry about unwelcome visitors slithering through the sewer pipes. Donatello has both eyes out for evil through his fire hydrant sewer scope and his see-through turtle computer. And remember... The best thing about living in the sewer is you never have to clean your room. <laughs> that is one awesome block of copy. There's some alliteration in there that was throwing me off, but damn, does that not make you want to buy the sewer layer and play with it? I love it. I like turtles. As I was digging for some information, I found this old commercial, and uh, let's take a listen to it. I think it's about 30 seconds long. Drink up quietly! The foot are about to ambush the turtle's sewer playset. But thanks to the turtle's periscope, it's no surprise! Take cover! The foot are attacking with their sewer ball! Watch out, turtles, or you'll wind up in the recovery room! Oh no! Retro muted to lose! The shredder's up to his old trick! And speaking of going up, the turtles are taking the elevator to street level to make a call on Shredder using their private line! Reach out and crush someone! From Playmates! <laughs> I really love that commercial. I really love the ending where it's like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles by Playmates. You know, it's so 80s. It's so cool. It's so fun. It mimics that back paragraph copy to a T by showing you what the sewer layer has to offer in 30 seconds. And that, my friends, is Marketing 101 for Kids Toys. They don't do it like that anymore. That right there gets the kids all worked up. Mommy, mommy, let me go get it. It's a toy. Toy, 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 mommy, toy. And the parents have to go out and buy it and uh they just don't do it like that anymore if you would like to watch that commercial on your own just go on the youtube and search tmnt sewer playset 1989 toy commercial and you will be able to find it i like turtles all right let's talk features of the sewer playset i know we hit on a few of them you know by reading that block of copy off the back of the box and listening to the commercial but let's dig really deep here number one for me customizable stickers the sewer playset came with a sticker sheet and you could put the stickers anywhere you wanted to you know there was a diagram of where you know they were supposed to go but kids put them anywhere and i just think that's so cool that they didn't come pre you know pre-assembled or pre-put on i just love that it just gave the kids the feeling they were you know creating i just think that's awesome number two high voltage battle swing i like this because you know a teenage mutant ninja turtle figure his hands could actually fit on the swing and you could actually swing him and into a bad guy and he wouldn't fall off i just think when a playset and the figure's you know interact together like that it just makes it a little bit better number three feature for me is the working elevator you put a figure on the peg 
so he doesn't fall off. You use the lever to lower the elevator down into the sewer layer. I just think that's awesome. It's just a cool feature. Number four feature is the two levels of play. You have the street level on top of the sewer, and then you have the sewer layer inside of the sewer and, and the two different rooms down there. So there's just so many different ways to play with the sewer playset. You have the small room, the big room, you have the bed, you have the high voltage swing, the elevator, you have the pipes. And if you got the Technodrome later on, I think that came out in like 1990 or 91, the sewer layer connected to the Technodrome, the sewer pipe fit into the black little sewer flap on the technodrome so you can make a massive playset. you gotta love that and number five last feature that i love is the ooze down the drains you can actually dump retro mutagen ooze down the manhole cover and other holes on the top side of the sewer street side and it would fall into the sewer layer and that is so fun so cool i like turtles Let's talk memories, man. I remember getting this thing as a kid. I can't remember what holiday it was, but I remember waking up and it was all put together. And I just thought this thing looks so huge. And when I look at it as an adult, the sewer playset really isn't that big. But when you're six years old, this thing looks massive. It looks like a full city block. You know, another memory I have about the playset is playing with the ooze, dripping it down the manhole, dripping it down the other holes on top side into the sewer layer. And one thing I didn't like about it was cleaning it up. It was gross. It got all over the figures, I remember. And then if he didn't clean it up in the sewer, it turned into this weird flaky, like almost like, I don't even gold leaf. Like it's so weird, like texture. And you could, I remember cleaning it up with like a, with a wet paper towel and just like chucking it into the garbage. Do you guys have those same memories? Do you remember playing with, with the ooze and having to clean it up? How gross was that? I like turtles. Let's talk about where you can buy the sewer playset in the present day. You know, eBay is number one for me. You can always find it on eBay. Complete, incomplete, pieces you might need to complete your sewer playset. You got thrift stores as well. You may not find a complete one at a thrift store, but I have seen, you know, the different sections at thrift stores and, dude, garage sales, but you gotta look. So that one's probably, you know, the hardest to find, but you could hit a home run with someone getting rid of a sewer playset for cheap. Let's talk about cost. Cost on the secondary market, you know, loose, out of box, almost complete. You can probably get a sewer playset for between $120 and $140. That is kind of what they're going for. And with that, you're probably missing a few pieces. If you want to get this thing boxed, you're talking about $275 to $550. You know, that high-end number, you're going you're to get a box without any gashes, without any dings. You know, the manufacturer's tape still intact. That low-end number, $275, you're probably going to get the box. It's going to be open. It's going to be played with. You're going to be missing some of that inner cardboard material but you know that's that's the facts man those are the numbers i like turtles tips when buying the sewer playset you know number one for me is try to buy it as complete as you can because loose single parts cost a lot on ebay five to twenty dollars for some of the really small pieces you know things more things to look out for when buying you know missing parts the the small blue wires inside of the of the recovery room attached to the computer there's three of them a lot of people miss those when buying uh the yellow sewer cap on top it's a little one inch sewer cap a lot of people miss that the blue siren hubcap elevator level on the right side a lot of times it's broken off and it's like jammed like the peg is jammed in so you can't put a new one in there even if you buy it so that's just the thing to look out for and 
and then the cardboard fence on the back that's usually missing or tore up and then the gray stairs are in the back you know behind the sewer there's a little notch for them a lot of people miss those too and then broken parts to look out for on the telephone poles you know the actual steps up the telephone poles sometimes those get broken off and then the little knobs you know on the top sometimes it could be a clean break to where you wouldn't even know that there was a knob or a piece there sometimes the pegs break when you're inserting the guardrail around the elevator sometimes they break off into the plastic so that's just another thing to look for um, and then overpaying in a crazy market you don't want to do that these things fluctuate all the time i've seen them loose for 300 bucks and people get into bidding wars don't get into a bidding war on ebay you can always find another one there's an abundance of these things out there just keep looking keep your eyes out have your searches saved on ebay and you will find one for your price i like turtles Another cool and fun thing I found while researching the sewer playset is reproduction sticker sheets. If you don't like the placement of your stickers, if your stickers are completely missing, you can buy repro sheets. I thought that was really neat. Um, the one thing I don't like about the repro sheets is they're not die cut and you have to cut out each sticker by hand. So the sites to get these sticker sheets are eBay for $11.99 and a site called ebluejay.com for $10.99 plus any shipping fees. I like turtles. All right, guys, I just want to say thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any questions about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys, shoot me an email at theduofinds at gmail.com. I will be happy to answer any of your questions. Turtle power and keep on playing. Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman, Laird, IDW, Archie Comics, Nickelodeon Studios, or any other turtle properties. This podcast is part of the Epic Sewers Podcast Network. Check out our other great shows, both turtle-related and not. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper, featuring Andy Doyle.